Amigos y amigas, welcome to another edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. We have a packed, packed show today. So we're going to just jump right in with the big question of the night. The end has finally come. Tigres is the Clausura 2019 champion in what some are calling the least entertaining final that they remember, they have witnessed. I'm just going to go to you guys. How did you feel about that statement? Everyone calling it boring. We'll start with Mr. Cesar Hernandez in the Tijuana, San Diego area. Cesar, welcome to the show. Uh, yeah. Hi, guys. Everyone. Hi, everyone. Uh, I actually kind of enjoyed it. You know, I know everyone was uh, kind of talking about Tuca parking the Tuca bus, you know, and frustrating Leon's attack. But I thought it was almost kind of like a fun chess battle uh, with Tigres playing a little bit more defensive. And I don't know, even even watching from home over here in the San Diego area, like I felt like you could, you could really get a good sense of the atmosphere. And I feel like that really helped, uh, you know, just the intensity of the game. You know, it seemed like the crowd was really incredibly into it. So I actually thought it was kind of a fun match. I know, even someone like Nahuel Guzman, he made it a little bit more fun too, especially in that second half of putting on a show in front of his net. But I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, it wasn't the most as entertaining, entertaining as I thought it would be, but I, I think people were kind of exaggerating about how bad <laughs> well, we it was. Three different perspectives of how the the the, uh, the matches. Mr. Tom, uh, there in Guadalajara, drove three hours to be in uh, León there. I'm sure the atmosphere... No way you could call it boring because you were right there. So, Tom. it was okay. It was okay. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> um, no, good atmosphere. Really good atmosphere. Um, yeah, one of the I think one of the best finals I've been to, to be honest. You know, in terms of beforehand and and just how much people were, you know, just just completely completely into it. And yeah. and the I don't know there was they didn't it didn't have that edge to it if you know what I mean. It didn't have that kind of negative edge which you do. Kind of feel, for example, America v Cruz Azul, like last season, you could feel like there's a little bit of edge between the teams. So, um, but yeah, with, with with not just the teams, but the fans as well outside. So, but yeah, I mean, was it was it the worst? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, six months ago, what happened? Have people forgot that one. Yeah. You know, yeah. Cruz Azul and America drew zero zero in the Azteca, and then America Cruz Azul just didn't turn up for the second leg, and America just easily won. You know, yeah. is that what's the difference? You know what I mean? Um, I tell you what, though, and it's quite interesting. I was thinking about this just today for some weird reason, but um, for, for me, you know, it looked like two really tired teams. You know, I think Tigres have played, um, was it 15 games or 14? I can't remember the figure now, but they played a lot of games. I think they played four more games than Leon uh, since the March international break. And so they, they, they've, they've been playing midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend. And I think Tigres were tired, and I think Leon were tired. Obviously, they've had the injuries; they don't have a big squad, so um, so I think it affected them as well. And you know, Leon gave absolutely everything, but at the end of the day, um, it just you know they just couldn't quite get that goal. Um, but you know, I don't know. I was just thinking, instead of a two-legged final, why don't we just have one game on the Sunday? Um, whoever finishes the highest in the regular season. And then just make it an absolute showcase occasion, you know, with the teams having a week off. In the media, you build it all up. Um, obviously, you don't have the two legs, but you know, really, in the first leg, it's not. I don't know who remembers ever the first leg of these finals. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, when we're looking at the whole spectacle, it's it, people were wanting that, you know, that 
I mean, I I think it's it's like comparing that Cruz Azul America match back, you know, with Piojo with like the last minute, ninety first minute penalty or, or uh, or something like that. And I I start thinking about. It. I mean, usually the, these finals aren't that crazy of a spectacle where everyone's at the edge of their seat. Granted, for me, I was as a Leon fan, I, I was at the edge of my seat every time Leon passed the half, just because I'm going crazy. But yeah, I think some people were just kind of wanting it. And it's, I think I almost wanted to tweet that, you know, it shows that your team's not in the final. The people that were complaining. Well, well, yeah, because, and, and I think it's yeah. also it's also fits in with this kind of feeling. And, and Andre Pierre Gignac was saying it afterwards that we don't care if the people in the capital city don't don't yeah. bother with us. because We know what we are. You know what I mean? And I think it feeds yeah. into that. The peop- there's, there's certain people who kind of resent what Tigres are doing, specifically Tigres. Yeah. They kind of resent it. They don't like it. It doesn't fit into their narrative of the four grandes and 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 how they see Mexican football. And and Tigres are, have been shaking it up. And the oh, people good... stand uh, don't just don't like it. Because also, because would we be having this same conversation if it was a Cruz Azul or an America Chivas. or or Chivas? Like in the yeah. like, is, is is would that be one of the bigger talking points? I'm not entirely sure. Just because there's there's been so much talk. Like you saw that on Twitter immediately afterwards. People play like, oh, el peor final, like the worst final, like, ah, oh, this is the worst, this is the most boring one, it was aburrido or whatever. It was just like, is is, is, is is it just because the two teams are the final? Is it just because of Tigres and there is this kind of resentment towards them? There's a little bit, of, there's a little bit at least there that, you know, it was a 0-0. There were no goals, okay? So it, it kind of gives you well, into that. But the fact that there wasn't a team, if America Cruz Azul Pumas... Uh, and Chivas were there, you kind of go, oh my gosh, is Chivas going to lose this final? Is Cruz Azul going to lose this final? Is America? So you, even if you're not a fan of those teams, you're kind of invested because of the popularity. Put those fours in, four teams, I, I guess maybe not even Pumas, but even Cruz Azul, the history that has, and Chivas, and then America, America you kind of go, well, you know, people either want them to lose, so they're invested on the opposite team, right? If it was America Leon, all the non-America you know, fans that hate America are going to be like, come on, Leon, score so America could lose. If it was Chivas, the Americanistas, if it was Cruz Azul, there's kind of a more of an invested. I felt like maybe if you were not in the Regios team or if you're not a fan of Leon, you're kind of like, eh, I don't really have a horse in this race, but I at least want it to be a spectacle, and then it wasn't when it was a 0-0. So yeah. I think that's where the, that's where people complain. So it kind of goes. I think, right, I mean, I think Chivas in America. I think Chivas in America. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure with Cruz Azul and Boomers. I I I also think maybe that people are a bit sick of Tigres, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just, we've we've been there. We've seen them kind of edge one of these finals and it not be particularly amazing. You know, we've been there. We've seen it. It's like we know the team inside out. We know Ferretti. We, he just, it just felt, and even last night, to be honest, when they won, it didn't have that same, um, you know, the freshness about it. That same kind of, wow, Tigres have, you know, Tigres have done it. I mean, maybe because last time they won it against Monterrey, and you know, it was a really special occasion. But it just seemed like, oh well, Tigres are the best team. They've spent all the money and they've won the title. Nice one. It was, less, it, was, it was less so if Tigres have done it most, and more so of just like, ooh, Tigres kind of avoided a little bit of a disaster there. Like, ooh, they could have potentially fallen to Leon. Like, Leon, they were pretty close to getting a goal there. Yeah, Tuca, like, you know, parked the Tuca bus, and it could have been a little bit of disaster there. But just, it just almost more so seemed like, oh, okay, this is this is kind of what we expected. No disaster, kind of carry on. Obviously, Tigres are a superpower, and there's, what else do we really dive into? You know, because we've talked so much about Tigres for so, for so long, you know? Yeah. Sure. Right. Sure. Let's, uh, well, let's 
jump in. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, we'll talk about the the, the final on both legs, and we'll have a little bit of a uh, three mini talk with U twenties, um, and uh, finishing off with some of the players out of the Gold Cup. So for this show, but to you both legs, um, what it, it was kind of expected that Tigres needed to take advantage of that first leg. Uh, as as seeing both of the teams play, I didn't think. I mean, Leon was uh, did well getting out of there with a one zero, but obviously wasn't able to do that to you, Tom. Um, I guess on both legs, anything that surprised you from Tigres, even though you said that you know it's the same old Tigres, but anything that you saw uh, a better Tigres or Tigres that has uh, that has evolved into the Tigres that it is now with these four championships in the last four years. Um, maybe if there was one thing I thought I didn't think they'd be as counter-attacking in the second leg you know I, you know, I think Leon had 58% possession and that's really it's very very rare that Tigres don't dominate the ball so yeah, um, yeah maybe, maybe that a little bit I expected him to come out a little bit more obviously they sat really deep as well um, and, and yeah maybe that but I mean at the end of the day I don't know we kind of I don't know we knew what, what Tigres were about I think it was for me, it was more about what can Leon do, you know, backed by this crowd that were just so, so desperate for him to do something. And I also felt kind of the, the pressure was more on Tigres as well, because kind of Leon with the season they've had and the way that it's not really expected for him to be in the final, um, yeah, you know, was, I, I don't know. I mean, it's been a much, really good season. There wasn't that much uh, pressure for Leon. As much as I was a fan, I mean, getting to the final and the historic season that we had, it was kind of like before the match, I go, if Leon loses, it's okay. Like we're not gonna yeah. die. Everything. But at the same time, it just for I mean, I tweet this out, but just for a team that had everything going in its favor all season, the twelve consecutive victories, you know, the forty-one points, you just seem it just you just felt a little bad for them just because they were simply like unlucky in the final two legs, you know. Macias, you know, he was gone with the U twenties, you know, so yeah. Leon was with their second best goal scorer. Mena suffered the injury and he obviously looked off some West Sub actually looked like he was 35 years old. <laughs> Montes looked out of rhythm. Nahuel had an incredible game. So it just seemed all these little things that just didn't work for them, just like, just kind of came in this little perfect storm against them in this uh, in this re- recent final series. Yeah. So I, I kind of felt bad just because just so many things work in their favor in the, enti- in the entire regular season up until this moment. Well, you said it, Tom. I mean, Cesar's kind of talking about it, but it, the team did look tired after that season. After playing through Liguilla and then the injuries and the players that weren't there, Leon was definitely the underdog um, going in. And, I mean, they try to play their game at the end of the, uh, on the second leg, but I just felt like Noel was there every single time or Leon just couldn't finish the, the shots that they were taking. I mean, I think I could, I felt like I could shoot harder than they were. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. But, I mean, Tigres had went through on goal twice as well. You know yeah. what I mean, so like Leon were absolutely pushing, taking the risk, but I don't know, they just didn't have enough. I mean, you bring in uh, Vinny Angulo off the bench, who, who obviously he played for um, Maradona last season in the second division. I mean, that's the guy you're bringing off the bench. You bring in uh, Aero Moreno, and, you, and you're putting him in, in to start. Um, you know, after not having an amazing season, I, mean, I don't know. It's just there's a difference in quality because on the Tigres bench you had Duenas coming on, you had Salcedo coming on, two Mexican internationals, and then you had Ana Valencia. And you know, that's the difference. That's what Tigres do to you, and that's why over the course of 180 minutes, it's difficult to ever go against them in one of these um, in one of these playoff games. So, but yeah, no, uh, it was a good good atmosphere. I thought you know, Leon fans were absolutely brilliant. Um, and even after the game, they were driving around in the trucks, 
you know, waving the flags, chanting Leon. Um, and even on the final whistle, I mean, it was just a different atmosphere. Um, you know, I've been to been to League Ramex finals before where the, the kind of the home team loses and the away team picks up the trophy on, on their soil. Um, you know, and, 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 and immediately on the final whistle, it's just booing. Just boo. And then five minutes later, the place is pretty much empty. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I just give Leon fans, I just thought they, they showed a lot of decency and respect. I mean, most of them stayed behind to watch Tigres lift the trophy. As soon as the final whistle went, they were all just shouting, Leon, Leon. Um, and yeah, I, I thought it was, they, they, were, they were pretty amazing, to be honest. And they've got I, something to build off of, too. They definitely have, I mean, as long as they maintain some of those players and maybe even, I mean, it's funny, but when, when I look at this roster, I think they look okay in the attack. Maybe they could bring another winger. But I think that, uh, and even though they were the best defensive team in the league, you know, maybe even add another central defender, you know, someone else who could potentially replace Ramiro Gonzalez or Miguel Herrera. And you, you would have a, you have a very, very exciting project going forward into the next season, assuming they hold on to some of those players. But I, I think that they could once again be a title contender next season if they continue this. Mm. <laughs> I'm, less, I'm less optimistic. I, I'm less optimistic. I think the, I don't know, I thought, I thought it was a bit of a freak season. Um I think they outperformed, and I don't know. I think they still got a lot, a lot to do. For example, just, just, just with Mena, I just can't see Mena scoring 14 goals in the regular season next season. I think what we saw in the playoffs is actually Mena. You know, I think in the regular season he was just, I don't know. I don't think he's that good that he's just blowing away all the defenses. I mean, I just think he hit some form. Um, everything was going in and, and he's a very good player don't get me wrong I'm not saying he's not but um, but yeah and, and I think keeping Macias as well is going to be you know that's that's going to be absolutely key because yeah. he was he was just so important wasn't he really for that for that attack as well you know Tom when you said that it was kind of a different atmosphere it's funny and I thought I just always thought it was my family or people in Leon I've, I've we've always been the type of like family or anybody that's kind of like respect people who win and it's kind of funny how you you know when I'm listening, I'm going through your Twitter and all the things that happen, you kind of see that with Leon in the crowd, you know, um, maybe because we don't have that great big of a rival. Tigres isn't the a heated rival, or there isn't anybody. But um, seeing that video you posted, you know, of of the fan, you know, kind of saying, hey, you know, great job, champion, and all those fans kind of coming out, you know, it, it kind of makes it kind of makes it special on that. And then I kind of go, you know, it feels like that's how Leon has always been, not that type of that that type of. Uh, rivalry mentality or or the violence and all that so that's kind of yeah we so i want to hear your reaction to this i mean you're you're you're, you're the leon fan man so I, I want to hear how you feel about like this final. well the i think like i said um a little disappointed with all of the the things that you know the leon that we saw in the season wasn't leon that we saw in the liguilla could many different factors kind of what tom said but it's funny because i was kind of before the game ended i was all pumped up to go and i and i kind of went hey if we lose it's okay. It's kind of funny. I was not angry when we lost. We said we, we couldn't score a single goal. Tuca did an amazing job planning the game. I mean, right when they came out, I go, it's going to be 0-0. If it's it, it's going to take a lot for us to score. And none of the players, like they said, they kind of felt tired. Um, nothing really clicked in. I mean, you know, Campbell was missing two or three of them. Even It, it just felt like it just wasn't that game. And after the first half, I go, we got to really do something crazy. Um and it, it almost at times, Tigres 
looked like on those counterattacks that they were going to score if it wasn't for Cota. Um, I'm like, we were extremely lucky to come out 0-0 because even on a one-on-one with um, with Vargas on a one-on-one there, and then I think who was the other one uh, on a 1v1 with the keeper? You was, know, it Val- it, was it Valencia? I might be wrong, but was yeah, it no, it was. I think yeah. it was Valencia. It was like that. That's, that should have been. It should have been 2-0 almost um, because. And then now we're just doing an amazing job just everywhere we had to be. So you kind of go, they were better. They were better between the, the and you can't really complain um, because, you know, I, I felt like Leon tried to do their game and try to try to win. So I'm happy as far as the season. No, no one can take away the 12 wins. So I'll, I know a lot of people kind of say, hey, you will, all those wins were for nothing. Not really. I mean, we're in, we're we're there in the history books that you know, twelve wins is is pretty big. So excited to see what happens next season. But the same, I'm kind of with Tom there. Leon has always been like this team that at the least, you, you know, whenever you least expect it, they do something great. They win by five goals and then they lose by five goals. That's always been how Leon has been. They've been an amazing team and they get you know they get descended. Then they come out and they win the Bicampeonato twice. So it's kind of like this crazy team. That it's kind of you get kind of get used to as a as a fan, but I'm proud. I'm proud of the guys, and uh, I'm excited to see what happens next season. Yeah, no, it'd be it'd be interesting. I I think the first thing is obviously Macias is vital, but but then the strength in depth, you know, so that if there are injuries, that there are people, there are players to come in that can kind of kind of help him. Um, And obviously, you know, like I was saying before, Tigres is the is the team to match on that on that scale. Yeah. but Leon has never had that type of okay. Now we need a really good defender. We're gonna go into the league and buy it. Leon yeah. discovers, you know, partnerships between players that are unknown, and then all of a sudden they're big after they're in Leon. And hopefully, I mean, it, you know, that's that's just kind of how it is. Look, look out! You would have told me a year ago that these guys were gonna be this successful. It was kind of, especially with the Bocelli move and and all the drama that was happening. It felt, you know, Mena and Macias and all the players that were taken from other teams. They were kind of like. It was Nacho Ambriz just, you know, lifting him up and 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 doing something in that in the locker room that kind of made this team kind of go. And Luis Montes losing 20 pounds, and um, <laughs> you know, you kind of see that. And and we don't, I don't feel like that's a team that's going to go out and buy these great players so they can be a better team. It kind of kind of just comes with it. Hopefully, everyone stays in form and some additions come in that do well that people weren't expecting. At the same time, I feel like we've had this conversation now, what like especially the Mexican soccer shirt, like once every few months but we just have to give a lot of credit to Tigres too yeah. and just how how powerful they are and just I mean there's no doubt just that they're that they're like the, the, they're probably the best Mexican team in you know, modern they, Liga Mekis era just four league titles in the last eight Liga Mekis seasons and there's it's crazy too because I feel like there there's so many changes and styles and so many changes in which team is going to be the most exciting Liga Mekis team this season so many different players and managers but the one constant is just Tuca driving with Tigres that's, yeah. That is the one constant, especially because I feel like as if this season he was finally starting to lose his grasp on that dominance, and he was maybe becoming a little how too many, predictable. How many finals is it that he had? He's had. I don't know. And that's and that's the thing. Like we we were just talking about how it took a, like the new Cruz Azul that loses finals. But the right? thing is, like I think there was some there was <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think it was a record that was like trying to like get like being like oh yeah he's lost most finals but like, yeah that's because he's qualified for the most finals yeah. that's why he's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Michael yeah, Jordan's got like the most missed shots yeah I mean he, he's you know, won, but he's got he's like won, shot records he's won, he's won seven titles which is the same as Tigres which is the same as Pumas so you know just one manager to do that is pretty incredible but yeah no exactly what Cesar said it's like Tigres have just become this oasis of kind of calm in a league known for being volatile. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, 
you know, even if you look at this Champions League final coming up on uh, on Saturday, you got Tottenham and Pochettino, you've got Klopp and you got Liverpool, and what what what's what have they got in common? You know, they they both got managers and they've got systems that that kind of that the players adapt to, the players are brought in to feed, uh, to to you know to that they that they slot in. Um, and that's what Tigres is. And you can tell when you, you know, when you look at the players and, you know, that the Gignac, when he speaks, he's just very happy there because he's so stable. You know, everybody knows that Tuca's the manager. Everybody knows he's in charge. Everybody knows they do the kind of cascarita thing the day before the game, you know, and, and they take a picture with the winner. Everybody knows that on Tuesdays or whatever, they have the carne asada, the, you know, the asado. Um, you know, I don't know. It's just like that is... That is Tigres. It's like you join Tigres and you're absolutely stable. Well, I just wish and, watching Tigres is like watching Liverpool. That's for sure. It's not like that, man. No, <laughs> no, it's not. Um, and and you know that's the criticism. That, that it's not like this is the perfect way to do it. But yeah. what it is is this is a, a way, and you've got to respect that that he has that it has been implemented. Not just Tuca, but also the club that they that they have kind of because there was there was a period between you know that 2011 title. And what, 2014, something like that, when, you know, they could have got rid of Tuca quite easily. Um, and then obviously, I think 2015, the Copa Libertadores, and, you know, then it kind of snowballed with, with Gignac's arrival as well. Yeah. But I mean, like, like, you know, this isn't a perfect club either. I mean, they were one of the clubs mentioned foremost in the um, du- double contract things. It's like, if you look at the age of that Tigres team, um, what, who was the youngest player? Like, 27? Probably. Who, Chapter the, the, twenty-eight. No, it's got to be. I mean, in the starting eleven or the roster, because like I was yeah, saying, the like, starting eleven. Oh yeah, well I don't know. Yeah, it's got to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. so so like how old is Vargas? Twenty-seven, twenty-eight. I mean, this is a team that you know young Mexicans get no chance of getting into. Like you know, and that's what Tuca does. He just he's got them all their training, and when they're ready, then maybe he'll slot them in. But but they might be twenty-six by the time they're ready. He's not rushing anyone in there. And going back to the stylistically, they're not they're not the most attractive because they just seek to absolutely control the game, mainly through having the ball. Although that wasn't the case on on Sunday, but. You know that's the criticism. I think, in, in fact, in out of the, both teams in the final, I think there was one Mexican player under the age of 28 that started the game, um, who was um, Ivan Rodriguez. You know, obviously, Macias would have started as well, but I mean, it, it just goes to show because it, it ties into, I think, um, I think what looks like being our next our next topic is is the under 20s. I mean, yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, yeah. that's, a, that's a good segue know, right there. Yeah, I mean, if every all I'm saying is if every team was Tigres, the league would be very, very strong. You know, we'd have a lot of quality in in, in Liga Amicus, but we'd we'd struggle for to promote Mexican players. I mean, not many would be getting opportunities. So isn't that? I mean, we keep talking about that, but isn't that how like the best leagues in the world are with their homegrown yeah. players? They're not making that much, that many minutes in those leagues: Spanish, English. As far uh, as the no, I mean in the top top clubs, then maybe yeah, maybe you can you know you got that argument, but um, I think in terms of the leagues as a whole, as a whole, the, you know, but but also you've got to balance that out because it's not it's not just it's not good enough to kind of throw out the numbers, um, you know, thirty oh, percent, you know, of the players in England, are, you know, twenty five or or under and English, you know, or in Spain the same, because it's the relative quality of the leagues as well. You know, the Mexican league isn't anywhere near that level right now. And so for the Mexican player not to even be getting the start in their own league, that's where that's where the problem comes. 
I don't know. It's a really, it's a complicated yeah. one, but it's like the Mexican player doesn't have a home. You know what I mean? Right now, it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a natural home. Whereas in England, you've got the other divisions. You know, you've got the lower down, clubs lower down the league, and you've also got clubs who. I mean, if you look at the again Champions League final, you're gonna have a lot of English players there. Um, you know, on both sides, and I think that, you know, they've been given a chance. They've been thrown in there. Um, but but Tuca Ferretti is just he's you know he's not gonna do that. All right. Well, Tigres the champion. We'll see what happens with this, uh, especially the arguments of this Tigres, one of the grandes. I continue, they continue to win, and they're going to be there. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't think they're going anywhere yeah. out soon. Yeah. We'll that, that's the other interesting is. thing as well. I mean, this this debate about the grandes and all that, honestly. Dude, that's, just, that's, that's, that's not interesting to me at all, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting <laughs> because it's, it's they're in denial. I mean, it's, it, it is definitely the most popular. I think you just kind of go back to those four, right? And I'm I'm on like on the argument on both. That's kind of like, all right, we'll we'll see. Tigres just needs to keep winning, and you yeah. know they're going to start forgetting. These new generations of of fans are going to start forgetting of the Pumas of the of the Chivas in the '60s, and you know the Pumas and Cruz Azul, what they had in the '70s and '80s. You yeah. know, it's it's going to go away, and pretty soon Tigres up there with 12, 13, you know, and yeah, then then um, you start talking. Talk. But I, I think Pumas is the one that's kind of on the brink now, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Difficult to make your argument. They're consistently not winning titles. They're consistently not in the Liga. You know, maybe they have a good run every now and then. It, it, it's tough. Uh, um, and, and also, you know, Alejandro Iraragori was in Guadalajara last week um, at a press conference, and he was like, you know, you guys, you talk about the big teams or whatever. It's like, and and the the in in the the mind of a Pumas fan. They play against Club America and they think they're level. They think they're going into a game on equal footing. And he was like, you know, Pumas might have a third of the budget for on players and salaries than Club America does. It's not an equal playing field. Pumas is a long way behind America and and Monterrey and Tigres and Cruz Azul and um, yeah the, and and the, yeah those 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 three basically <laughs> in in yeah. terms of you know in terms of the budget and it's. You know that that's the that's the way to look at it. Right now, Tigres is a grande. You know, historically, it's not been in yeah. terms of fan base around the country. It's not. Um, so Tom, when are, it, Tom, when are you going to write an article for ESPN? It says that uh, Tigres are officially a grande by Tom. Just writing one now. Tigres, America. I would say Tigres, America, Chivas are as far as popularity with win and titles currently if i had to pick just because you know and uh now historically yeah you're not going to have Tigres in there until they win more titles more recently maybe it could be like an england kind of situation where as opposed to the big four they expanded to the big six now there's gonna be the big six in mexico (laughs) you got a lot you got you got to include now monterey and Tigres. okay look at look at leon leon wins let's say Tigres doesn't win leon wins they got eight they're they're on par with pumas Leon is not going to be in the talk of 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 those. Even though, I mean, look at Toluca with 10, 10 titles. You have to have that fan base outside, and what builds that fan base are twenty years of dominance, or you know, twenty five years of, of 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 dominance. What Chivas and America, what Cruz Azul, you know, what Pumas had, like that's what's going to bring a fan base. And I think Tigres is getting there. More people outside that are growing up are going to see Gignac or they're going to see these this great Tigres teams that wins. And you're going to be like, all right, I'm going to start going for Tigres. So it's that's that's the whole point. I mean, it's, it's over 100 years, you know, so, that football has been in there. And then since the professional league, since the 40s and 50s, I mean, it's, it's going to take more than 10 years or 20 years to build a giant yeah. team. 
Yeah, and Chivas in America are just a long way ahead of, of yeah. the rest. Yeah. You know, but like I said, Pumas for me is the one. Cruz Azul would be as well, apart from they're spending money. And if they keep spending money, then they're going to be, you know, they're going to be fighting for titles. And I think that's what fans are interested in at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, All right. But- well, let's uh, let's jump in. We'll continue. Goodbye, Liga MX. The summer now tournament will kind of goes into, and we have our very own start of a tournament, which is the World Cup Sub Twenty, the Little El Tri, um, which uh, played two games and kind of just. Set the mood up uh, for this summer. Hopefully, this is the only disappointment there is, especially in the first two games. Mexico loses versus Italy, a 2-1 loss where it could have been a lot more for, for Mexico. And then loses 3-0, which I do not remember Mexico being dominated in all levels like this. since you know I, I, would, I would think since the, the 7-0, just in the way that they lost. And um Many people are just kind of not. I've, I've given up. There's no style of play. The uh, you know Diego Linus and and Mas is is kind of just being thrown out there as being someone that's not doing anything, which I think is definitely very unfair. A lot of fault to Mr. Uh, Diego Ramirez, who has had this team for two years, and it just doesn't seem like there isn't even a team that's worked together for that long. I know some players just kind of joined. The, the, but they're, they're, this has been a team that's been together. But to you, Tom, um, what is going on with U20? We always hear that Mexico trains and they spend so much money. They're flying to, to loan tournaments and all these types of tournaments. Uh, they have the facilities. But then U20 comes and it looks like I'm, I was trying to figure out when's the last time this U20 team has won a game? No, yeah, I think coming into the tournament, they lost against, I think, New Zealand and uh, Colombia. Yeah, and yeah, I mean it's been it's been poor. I mean, not not much was expected, but but then you know to be that bad against Japan and I don't know. I mean, it's difficult because if we we really get into it, then there's there's so many so many things, and sometimes it's not it's not fair to just pick on one particular youth team and say, oh, we you know Mexico's terrible. There's no future. You know what I mean? Because you know the under 17s, you know the under 22s at Toulon, I think are, are pretty good. You know what I mean? So I think it's not just the under twenties, but um, but yeah, there was there was some very worrying signs. I think I was remember in the first half of the game, remember Roberto de la Rosa was kind of Japan were kind of playing out from the back, and I don't know, kind of de la Rosa, he didn't know where to go and press. You know what I mean? He didn't know whether to go and charge down the goalkeeper, or he didn't know whether to go and kind of pick up one of the centre backs, and it was like. I don't know. It was just representative. I mean, it's such a small thing in a game, but it's like those are the type of things that you absolutely drill into players, you know, before big tournaments, and and he just didn't seem to know. Um, I was even think, confused with like formations. It was like I I was kind of following along what Diego was doing. Yeah, he's kind of seeing. It, I'm like, yeah. What what are they trying to do? I almost felt that they were a little bit confused. Well, and yeah. and Diego and Diego just kind of gets a little bit. Kind of, I feel like he just doesn't know what he needs to be doing, and then tries to take a matter in those hands, and it just kind of gets nervous. And then everyone's just gonna. There's five players around him. At, at the know. same, t- at the same time, though, I mean, like I'm saying this, and I'll be honest, I, I I haven't had a chance to to watch either of the U20 uh, World Cup matches. Uh, but at the same time, I'm wondering if, because I feel like a lot of people, like once I wake up in the morning, I look at all the tweets. It seems like a lot of people are really freaking out about this. But are we? Are we diving into this or just over like, uh, overanalyzing a little too much for U20 tournament? Because back in 2015 in the U20 World Cup, Mexico finished 
in last place of their group. But at the same time, this is that U20 generation, that that roster actually that finished in last, that had Victor Guzman, Eric Gutierrez, Chucky Lozano, Eric Aguirre, like Orbelin Pineda, Raul Godinho. And they still develop into very good players. Or, or, like it, I feel like a lot of people are making, I'm not saying you guys are making some like big assumptions out of Mexico struggling in this tournament, but I feel like a lot of people have been freaking out a little too much about you know, these two losses for all three in, at the U20 World Cup. That's actually a good point. Yeah, no, no, you can't. It's a great it's, point. It's, it's not to obviously over-exaggerate. And, obvi- and I think with Macias and Lainez, we've got players that are the same, you know, the same 2015 that can, can obviously are on their own trajectory now and, and should, be, should go on to become full national team players for the next 10 years, you know, definitely. But at the same time, I think it's not a good sign. You know, it's not a good sign in terms of the if you look at the coaching. It's not a good sign in terms of the average level of player either. I mean, the, defensively, Mexico have been all over the place. I mean, it's just been a disaster. Um, and yeah, like I said, it, it just I don't know. They changed formations during that second game. Uh, they kind of played a, a 4-3-1-2 at the start because they wanted to get liners in the middle uh, because he didn't work on the wing in the first game. And it's like, and then uh, Meraz like got of- injured and then they changed to like a, a 4-4-2 again. And it's like, with the, uh, I don't know, it's just what's your style? How, I mean, the, there is no style in terms of preparation. Yeah, and the style as well. I mean, actually, in the commentary they were talking about long balls. Actually, Japan played more long balls than Mexico in that game. But what was happening was, and and this is this is where the coach and this is where the the not just not just from this team, but just from a youth level, it seemed like Mexico played the ball out to say the centre back or the right back, and then. Japan were brilliantly coached. They were really, really played amazingly. Yeah. They they pressed Mexico, and the Mexican players were kind of like, okay, didn't have any options. I mean, that's not just the players' fault on the ball. I mean, that that's players further forward as well. They're not moving. There's no kind of mechanisi- mechanization of, of of the play. Um, and then they then they'd go long. You know what I mean? They'd look for something long, and then they'd lose the ball, and Japan would be on them again. Um, so it's more it, so of a coaching issue. I mean, because once again, I didn't get a chance to watch either games. You guys did, so I guess that is still worrisome, though. If it's less so of just individuals and team, but more so right. of just coaching in general, because that because because that is worrisome, especially if this is someone who's taken charge of U twenties. Yeah, I mean, it's both of them. It's both. It's individuals as well. I mean, I think at the back, Mexico really struggled. You know, I, you know, and 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 even in midfield, to be honest. I mean, you know, there was no at, midfield. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at Macias as well, and. He didn't even play well in in that against uh, Japan, but you can just tell he's got something. You know what I mean? And and same with Lainez, even though he's been pretty poor to be honest, you can tell they've got something. Um, I think Tony Figueroa as well. He's he's kind of looking brighter. I really like that kid. Yeah, and, and you I'm know, glad he Pachuca, did well because I like him too. I like I like Figueroa too. I'm glad he yeah, did well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Pachuca really think that you know, I don't know. I think I think they think he should be more advanced than he is now in terms of his. Uh, progression at Pachuca because they, they believe he's a player that can go to Europe, but, yeah. but you know he's not young anymore. You know what I mean? He's not suddenly yeah, breaking through. He's like he, he's not had that many, but he has been brought on for quite. Yeah, he has been he's he, he has been used as a sub quite a bit uh, for the last couple of years. Um, you know, and then you know, but but behind that, it's difficult to say. Maybe the right back, I can't remember his name, but um, I don't know. It's it's a it's a bit of a struggle to be honest to. To think of positives, but you know, going back to the League of Mex final, you know, there's that thing again that there's not, there's just not enough players in the system getting first team minutes. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't know how you do that, 
But that's well, the if they were to called up Jonathan Gonzalez, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they missed him it's big still... time. He would have been great. You know, you, you say that, Tom, but um, and I got some stats. The, the two players have gotten the most minutes in, you know, in, in first division. Linus and Macias, right? They're in the old. Yeah. 2,426 with Linus and Macias with 1,902. So, I mean, that's where we're at. The next player would be Meras. Is Dominguez? The, uh, 207 minutes for Dominguez. Uh, Figueroa with 400 minutes. Um, Higuera with 90 minutes. Orona with 53 minutes. And that's it. Alvarez, León, Cárdenas, Sepúlveda, De La Rosa, they haven't had any minutes on there. So you kind of look at to see... Let's look at it in comparison. I know the leagues are different. I mean, I didn't go and research Japan's, you know, how many players are, are, are getting or, or even Italy, but Macias and Linus are way above and everybody else barely two games that they've gotten on average. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. I mean, something they need to... I don't know. I don't know how you, how they work out. It's it's obviously there is this league against league versus country. I mean, it, it's a tough one. And then you've got situations where, you know, Jonathan Gonzalez isn't isn't allowed to leave. And then you've got situations where Macias is turning up two days before the tournament. You know, it's just th- those kind of things. Just aren't, I mean, it just shouldn't be going like that. But and I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, there's also. You know, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about a little bit about the national team, but so many changes as well going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, you know, also, Torrado's, I, th- I, th- I feel on. like, oh, so, so, sorry, go ahead, Tom. No, you know, Torrado stepping up. I think Nacho Hierro, from, who used to work with Club America, now I believe is with Atlas. Um, you know, I think he is. he's going to kind of join the federation as well. And, you know, but we've still yet to see, I mean, Torrado as a sporting director, as the guy in charge of everything that's going on in terms of setting a philosophy, setting a, a tone about how not just the first, the big national team, but the youth national teams are going to work. I don't know. I'm not sure if, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. You know what I mean? Is he going to get get rid of Ortega as, as the director of youth national teams? I mean, I don't know. It feels like, the Mexican Federation right now is in a little bit of a, a weird spot. There's so many changes going on, and we don't know what's going to come out the other end. If you know what I mean? Yeah. The only thing, the only thing I was going to bring up one more about the about the U20 is like there's obviously I think it, it seems as though they're essentially out of the knockout round, and I think like there is no real hope about them qualifying for the knockout round. But just no. like statistically speaking, they do still have a small chance of making. They have more than a small chance, I think. It, if they win against Ecuador, they're in. Is is that really true? Because I feel like they still have to rely on other. There's, a, there's a bunch four. Of other results. No, there's four third place teams that yeah. make it. So I think, I think yeah. when we're looking at it, I'll look at it. But it, I, I thought it was like they have to win and they have to make sure that they because they would have they have three points and you know minus um, they have to have on the on the goal differential. But the way that yeah. it's kind of looking at, there's not that many third place teams that are getting three points. I guess so. Yeah, I guess I haven't had a cha- I haven't looked at the details of other teams. The only thing that I've been worried about, just because Mexico currently has a negative four goal differential, which is the only thing that worries me. Because even if they get like a two nothing win, they would have three points, but still have a negative two goal differential. So I think they would have to get a big win and hope for other teams to really mess up uh, in their and and their final games there. At least the third place teams are messing up. But yeah, there there is still. A chance, but some, something to keep an eye on because there, there is still a chance. So you I tell really me there's feel, a chance. 
I really feel like this team's like, watch, it's going to get Ecuador and it's going to go through and we're all going to be like, so that's just, that's just kind of what happens. <laughs> well, we'll take a look at that. But I when I was looking at it, it looked like there were a lot of um, teams that do not have three points. They had seek on the, in the group A, Colombia's got three points. Group B, Ecuador. Well, that's us, right? Ecuador only has one point. Um, group C, uh, Norway has got negative four and it's got zero points and they're in third place. Group D, uh, United States with three points. Group E, one point for Mali and they're the goal differentials. Group F, zero points for the third place. So there isn't that many teams. There's only one team that's got three points out of the third place teams. I think I think they still have, I think from Group E and Group F they still have uh, another round of matches yeah. though. Sure and I, it's, I think that's where it's it's if you're looking at it i mean if you get three points it's gonna it, the positive the the odds are that you you're gonna be one of the because it's four it's four third place teams yeah. i guess i <laughs> so, guess they're they're still in the running though that, that's yeah what's important. yeah it is it's kind of it's kind of funny yeah all right uh well we'll see what kind of happens again um to kind of end the you it uh, it, it kind of just kind of goes back i feel back it goes back to the coaching you know what is I feel like, you know, Chucho Ramirez did it with the 17. Now his son, Diego Ramirez, is coming up. Not to compare him, but I kind of looked at the, after the after the U20 games and then, um, you know, the, the women's team was playing the U.S. And then I saw um, Cuellar, right? And it's kind of like, are we just kind of anybody, anybody's dad that coached and then, you know, their, their kid comes and coaches too. I feel like this family affair of coaching. And not that they have anything to do with anything, but I feel that's also part of our of what's wrong with Mexico in that these families of coaches are kind of taken ahead of that. And I don't know. Yeah. Kind of mad. No, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it goes beyond football. Doesn't it? <laughs> it goes beyond football, those kind of things. But I mean, yeah, you don't want to doubt somebody just because the the, the, the parent was one thing or another, you know what I mean? But it's you don't also doubt like, it. you have to start from scratch as well and you have to prove yourself. And you have to ask the question of whether that person would be in the position if they weren't the son or daughter of, of that person, you know what I mean? I mean, that's the question. That's the he's got to work as a meteor. Um, uh, it was just funny how I saw that the very next game. I'm like, man, Mexico, dude. Oh, that's right, Christopher Cuellar is there. Oh yeah, you know, his dad is a uh, Leonard. It's like okay, and then we saw the other one, Diego and Chucha Ramirez. Okay, I see how that's how it goes. Ah, uh, we'll see. All right, let's let's jump into El Tri. Um, Continuing with the more players that are out of the Gold Cup, I, I was going to look at the starting 11 from the World Cup and see how many players are going to be in this Gold Cup, and I just didn't want to be do, I didn't want to be depressed. <laughs> but uh, more players that are out. Uh, Chucky is finally, which everyone kind of saw. I thought there was going to be some hope that he might play some of those games, but when PSB said nope, and Mexico was kind of like, no, well, we'll see with our doctors. They have finally confirmed that he will not be playing in the Gold Cup. So there goes Chucky Lozano. And then also, uh, out of nowhere, Miguel Layun, which I think is a bummer. I know a lot of players don't, a lot of people don't uh, think Miguel Layun is that relevant anymore. But on a personal level, I really, really like when Miguel Layun uh, plays in games that I'm at. And uh, I was like, man, because he always searches for us in the English language media to, to give interviews. And he's a really cool guy, I think, um, towards us. And so I was a little bummed on that on a personal level. But um, that makes six total players that we expect to be in the national team. Chicharito with this kid, Vela, which we already know. Um, um, Hector Herrera, who wants to focus on his on the summer and his teams and the break. Tecatito, who we still don't know 
what happened there. I think coach just didn't want to deal with the drama there. And now Chucky and Layun. More lists, Cesar. I mean, at what point do you just kind of go, another one? Like, I'm a little uh, disappointed. I know you don't want to get there, but let's yeah. just say tomorrow Raul goes, you know what? I'm out, too. Like, <laughs> well, what's, what's, the, what's the, like, the line of players that we're not going to be content for this? Well, because I, I, like, I think I think as it is, I'm I'm okay with it. You know, if, if Raúl, <laughs> I think if Raúl Jiménez is it is that it? Is Raúl? That's if like Raúl Jiménez, what's well, well, different too? Because you look at the potential starting eleven, you do recognize even with all those absences, there is still potentially a core of players there that could carry Mexico to you know, Gold Cup title. You see Jiménez up top. You see Guardado in the middle. You see potentially Jonathan dos Santos or Edson Alvarez in the middle there. You see Moreno, you see Araujo, you see Ochoa, and you see like a very, very strong core in that starting 11. Yeah, you don't have Vela. Yeah, you don't have Chucky. You know, yeah, Layun's not there. But I, I think as long as Mexico maintains that strong core, as long as they're healthy too, I think they still have a decent chance. So I, I, I'm okay with this. I'm also, I'm also saying this as someone who is interested in seeing alternatives for the national team, this new World Cup cycle. Yeah, do I what I is Alvarado or Pizarro by ideal starting wingers? No, but against Martin, Martinique or Cuba, would I give them a chance? Yes, 100%. I think they could do very well. You know, maybe this could be a tournament for for Charlie Rodriguez to do well, Eric Gutierrez, you know, Jorge Sanchez. I, I think those are interesting options right there. Even someone like Antuna, you know, especially with some uh some of the the more recent absences that someone like Antuna could even potentially uh, be a key player for Mexico. So I, I, I honestly, I'm okay with it. And I, I'm, I'm interested to see how some of these alternatives uh, step up for Mexico. Tom, who's a player that you're like, all right, too many players are missing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. The thing that I don't like about the squad now is it's just kind of a mix. You know, I think I would have preferred at this point now, to just be like, let's just make it a young squad who, with absolutely everybody available for the next World Cup. I don't know. And now I feel like it's an in-between squad. I feel like Tata Martin... And, and also, I think the thing that, that's disappointing is that this isn't Tata Martino deciding, oh, I'm gonna, I want to play these young players. This is Tata Martino seeing his plans and kind yeah. of evaporate, really. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter really what I think, but from his point of view, I think his plan would have been Okay, Gold Cup first summer. I'm gonna bring all the big guns. I'm gonna get. Let's get to know them. Let's see the standard. Let's see where they're at. And then after that, let's have a look around and see about the generational change. Let's see at what kind of pace I'm gonna be able to bring in, kind of the the younger players. Um, and and now it's just it's just been enforced on him. And I think it's gonna be a a kind of patchwork team that Mexico puts out of the Gold Cup now. Um, you know, in some ways, like I said, you know. Um, I would have preferred more of the younger players and, and then to really, really test them. And, but yeah, I don't know. But that didn't work out a couple of years ago either, did it? Because there was just so much criticism of Osorio and, and all that. that you, know, he, you know, I don't think he was too far from just leaving the job at that point. I, when was the last Gold Cup that we just dominated? I don't remember one because, it, I mean, if we look at the last one was 2017, which... We got third place. Well, the, the, the last, three ones, last three ones, Mexico's had some problems. I mean, yeah, they got yeah. the title, but like they, they've had some problems recently. 2015, we, it was a penalty call against Panama, right? I mean, Piojo and then what happened afterwards and yeah. beating Jamaica. 
Yeah, the, the Echo yeah, Costa Rica beating Jamaica in the final there in Philly. Before that, they didn't win with, I believe, Chepo de la Torre. It's probably um, two, 2011 was the last 2011, one, right? 2011, remember, if, I mean, they there were the Clembuterol, there was kind of some players didn't make it, and then it was the greatest, you know, the geo goal coming down from four, um, from 2 0 the halftime and winning 4 2. That would probably be 2011. Um, before that, 2009, the U.S. wasn't there because of the uh, Confederations Cup when they went to the Confederations Cup. So they were able to win. I think that's the 5-0 win that Carlos Vela scored and um, Gringo Torres, I think. No, no, yeah. Uh, it was a 5-0 win. And then I just kind of go back. I, this is why I wanted like a solid Gold Cup, our tournament, from start to finish, see how it goes. Because we haven't had a, a tournament where Mexico's just dominated I guess till since 2011. So, um, but there is a there is a spark of that interest. I guess at least from Mexican national team fan, that's a little gone. Not that there is no Confederations Cup title to 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 fight for. Because yeah, there is something about the regional dominance. And yes, you want to get that win over the U.S. men's national team. And now you could even say someone like Costa Rica has been stepping up a little bit more so against Mexico. But at the same time, if Mexico with this squad, if they make it to the final and they lose, is am I going to lose any sleep over it? Probably. <laughs> Probably not. I guess the U.S. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll be. I'll, I'll just. I'll feel. I'll feel you, a little you, bumped you, out. You can't even beat your own. We lost you. We lost you that question. If it's the U.S. Mexico yeah. final. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. True. Are you serious? If if Mexico does this is a tournament with we're supposed to have our full squad and we lose to the U.S. after the U.S. not making it to the World Cup. Like maybe that maybe that's what the fans need. And I hate when people say like, well, this does tournament doesn't mean anything. Just I kind of go up America and be like, ah, let's see how Brazil are doing, man. Let's just let's see. Well, like, <laughs> <laughs> I kind, I, I, I kind of, I keep hearing that. You know, this t- t- tournament doesn't mean anything. I'm not saying it doesn't so, mean anything. I'm not saying the, that. Well, no, I, I'm here. I'm saying that's what most people are saying. Like it's a, it's a Moleto tournament. This t- tournament doesn't mean anything. And I go, so does, when the World Cup does that mean something? Like is that? I mean, obviously, if you, if you win the World Cup, you're the best at that tournament, and you're the best in the world for that moment, right? We're the best at a tournament for our, for this tournament. I mean, I just, I can't believe that people are kind of like, ah, this tournament kind of, it sucks. Because it's ours. Just, it's, sorry, because it's, it's... I'm just, sorry, just getting sorry. old and bitter is what's happening over here. I'm just getting old and bitter. <laughs> you started working for CONCACAF. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe, you know you know what? Maybe there's, maybe there's, there's a correlation here. I'm now 30. You know, Herrera, you know, like Chicharito. They're now like, do I really want to go to the Gold Cup? I don't know. I'll just take the summer off. Maybe, maybe there's a correlation here. <laughs> yeah. No, no, maybe. Yeah, no, no. I, I mean... It's it's a tough one, but yeah, no, I agree with you. We so it's it is uh, it is what it is, and you have to get on with it. And and you know, uh, when you do get to that semi final stage, then it does become you know you get if you get up against a Costa Rica, and then you've got a potential U S final, then then it does you know it starts becoming kind of real. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Even, Go even on. back in the two thousand five, two thousand seven Gold Cup, no one said that. Oh, it doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? It was because the U.S. was spanking our butts in the U.S. every time. And, like, can we please win? You know, if we're looking at those Gold Cups where, you know, 2007, when we lose to them in Chicago, Soldier Field, you know, and Bofa misses that, and you're just like, oh. <laughs> and then, you know, the U.S. wins. I, and I, maybe that's what it is, is because the U.S. hasn't been that team that we just have this anger and animosity to it that uh, maybe these fans in the last 10 years have gotten a little complacent going, eh, it's just, you know, it's El Salvador and Panama and Jamaica. But I'll, I want to see them not caring on the final when the U.S. is up 1-0. And yeah, I go, guess this is I guess 
I'm setting myself up for disaster when I'm like anxious on the Mexican soccer show in early July. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, so oh, you're you're anxious now, early July. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess for me, it's not not as a personal thing or looking at fans and stuff. I just, I just feel a little bit for Tata, you know, because yeah, it's just not been ideal for him, and and it's it must be tough for him, you know, it really must be tough for all these players to go out and then. He's only been in the job five months, you know, and and Dennis De Klos is left, and then Guillermo Cantu's leaving at the end of the Gold Cup, and I just think that he must be, and then the Copa America is not going to take place next year. Well, Mexico aren't going to be in it, it, it looks like, and I, I just think he must be sat there thinking, okay, so I've got the Gold Cup now, then I've got Bermuda and Panama in in October, November, then next March I basically got semi-final of the Gold Cup all over again. Because that's what it is, the the Nations League, isn't it? I mean, in March, they're going to play the semi and the final. And then next summer, I don't know, it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of invent a, a tournament with the States and Japan and, you know, and stuff like that. But it's it's not going to be the Copa America, you know what I mean? Um, and I don't know, I just, I just, I don't know, I just fear because I honestly believe the best thing going on right now with the Mexican national team is that, you know, Tata Martino is the head coach. <laughs> You know, I think he's absolutely great. And I think, I just hope that he's not kind of, I don't know, um, yeah. just like having second thoughts about what he's got himself into. Because, yeah. you know, you can guarantee this Gold Cup, if Mexico draw against Canada, and Canada are a decent team, um, you can, you can you know, Cavallini's up front, just to put it in perspective. He's, a, you know, he can do damage to any team in this in this tournament um, on his day. So, I don't know. I just think that um, it's it's a it's a tough one in in terms of where Tata must be at mentally with all this going on. Yeah, and I don't want to like look into it like a little too much. Like obviously, both these press conferences, I was watching from my couch watching Univision Deportes, so it was like I was like I was actually Baller. there. But oh, like I don't have that channel. <laughs> but, uh, I feel like there's a big difference between the Tata that we saw uh, from his uh, first presentation in Mexico City, and then the one recently, the one looking down at his like notebook and just rattling off uh the names the one he it almost seemed like he like just a few months into the job like he's already like run out of smiles you know for 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 the media you know like it's just like i i like he's not he like he already used them all up <laughs> and then like starts counting the smiles on there that's, that's <laughs> devotion to the job yeah there so, you go <laughs> uh, i'm yeah, just kind of yeah. like i'm glad that we're not talking about the coach and his teams like we always are you know, with, yeah. with you know Juan Carlos Osorio, Chepo de la Torre, Piojo has always taken the drama on the team and just kind of maybe not Chepo as much until later on, but we're not talking about the coach finally, so I, I guess I'm yeah. happy on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll I see. Tata one is just Tata's very different than the last two Mexico managers because Osorio and Herrera and the talks of the press and they did that thing and and Martino's not going to do any of that. You know, it's going to be very different working, you know, with him in charge compared to compared to what it's been like for the last few years. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see how it works out because he's going to get questions he doesn't like. He's going to get questions he thinks are stupid, you know, and all this. Kind of, I mean, it's just going to be if a couple of results don't go well and all of a sudden, it, you know, I don't know, everybody's just talking I get it, like it's really negative where, I don't know, just going back to what Cesar was saying and, and you as well, we saw, I mean, he's just putting it in perspective. I mean, I think that's the that's the key thing this summer. You have to put it all in perspective. You, it's not a case of going crazy about if if a player plays really well, if you know Jorge Sanchez plays really well, or 
you know, if um, Raul Jimenez only scores one goal, I mean, you know, it's just putting it in perspective and, and, and an opportunity basically for Tata Martino to to work with the players for some. I mean, that's the that's the most positive. And then in terms of winning the cup, then obviously you want to win the cup. But um, I think this project with Tata Martino is is obviously much longer term than than how it goes this summer, and especially now with all the injuries. You know, uh, I don't know, but perhaps Mexico is a favourite now. I don't know. I mean, it must be, it must be close. Uh, you know, I don't even know anything about the U.S. team. That's I need to start doing some little research on that. Watch some a couple of U20s and some games, but. At least on the senior side, it, just get start getting excited, guys. The Gold Cup's here. I know people don't think it's that big a deal, but once that team is there, and you start seeing it. Once Pizarro starts going off, and we're starting to talk to him, and I do feel like, I mean, you get look at the teams that we're playing. We have that group stage. There's got to be some goals that are going to be scored there. Um, yeah. Then we play against, you know, Costa Rica or Honduras, even Canada. You know, then finally the U.S. somewhere. It'll get exciting. Yeah. Mexico favorite, just about favorite. Yeah. Yeah, and the U.S. second, Costa Rica, and then Jamaica. Oh, yeah, you forgot about Jamaica. That's right. All right, guys. Did you well, into the free kick against us? <laughs> <laughs> and the goalkeeper plays like... What, uh, what Caribbean <laughs> country is going to come in and do well, like uh, Guadalupe or Trinidad and Tobago and... that, that has amazing players? Well, Group C is actually... I mean, I mean, we're, it seems like we're almost done here. But, man, keep it on Group C. That could be fun right there. I don't know, like the Honduras, Jamaica, El Salvador, and of course, probably more than likely not going through. But that, that could be a lot. That could be fun right there in Group C. That could be fun. We'll see how it kind of goes. All right. I uh, want to say congratulations. Felicidades. Uh, Amy, for two reasons. One, it was her birthday over the weekend. So if you're on Twitter, go ahead and wish her happy birthday. So uh, I know she's listening to us. That's. Uh, she's 21. She's 21. Happy she's 21st birthday, Amy. 21st birthday. That's what you always say. Um, and the number two, not only was it her birthday, but uh, she won our Ligia Madness challenge and uh, beat Gadi uh, uh, there. So uh, congratulations to to Amy for coming in and winning. I, I I don't believe she made it past like the first round in the last Ligia Madness, and then all of a sudden she wins it all. So. Uh, we all bow down to you, and I uh, want to say congratulations for doing an amazing job in the Liga Madness. And I know you didn't pick Leon, so I will, um, I'll just you know put that away. But it was smart of you for not picking Leon because Cadi picked for Leon. So good job, congratulations. So what's, what, what's Amy's What's Amy's prize for for winning winning first prize? I, I didn't get a prize. <laughs> when I won. <laughs> I don't know. She, the funny thing is, is that she's organizes the whole thing, so I know she was kind of like, "So, what do we give?" And I'm humble person, she'll probably be like, "Ah, nothing." So maybe we'll think out about a prize. There it is, guys. What should we give Amy for winning the Ligia Madness? So the, for those of you that listen to us here on iTunes or or on Spotify, which oh wait, not Spotify, all the other five different types of um, media places, tell us what should be her her prize and. Uh, We'll try to see if we can get it to her. So, but she congratulations, gets, Amy. She gets to change one of our profile pictures on Twitter for the day. I don't know. Like... All of ours? Oh, man. Just, just one. <laughs> no, it can't just be one. It should be all of ours. It be like, all right, for one day. By the way, did you guys see the baby pictures that she uh, she worked hard on uh, for the uh, for the League MX English? If you're not seeing it, it's on the Football Nation. It's pretty funny. Tom looks hilarious, by the way. 
<laughs> All right, baby. All right, guys. Thanks again right. for listening to the uh, Mexican Soccer Show. We're on. This should be on uh, on Tuesdays. We record Monday night. So if you have any questions, please continue to tweet at us on Twitter, the Mexican Soccer Show, and all of us in our handle. Hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful week. The summer is here, and get ready for some Mexico talk and everything else that's coming every uh, recording on Monday and releasing on Tuesdays. Cesar, muchísimas gracias there. And Mr. Tom Marshall, have a wonderful, wonderful week. Hasta la próxima, amigos.